point is we watched nope and it was really good and so yeah like you were saying it's aliens turns out and the set what i love about this movie the reason i love it so much um is a few things one i'll say outright that i do think of jordan peele's three movies it's probably my least favorite I don't think I liked it as much as Us or Get Out, but it's really close. Yeah, but it might be second. That's the way things work. If there are multiple things, one of them has to be the least best. Exactly, yeah. and it doesn't mean yeah. It's it's I not still, indicative of its quality. I still love this movie. Yeah. Um, I love the setting, the creepy alone in the desert vibe yeah. is perfect for aliens. It is perfect, and the we just talked about how Us had less clear symbolism than Get Out. We're we're a step past that now. We're into like what the heck does this mean territory? Yes, um, it does not have a clear message whatsoever. Not at least at us, all. you could kind of be like, oh, it's class. It's about yeah. have and have nots and oppression or whatever. This is like I don't know what this. is. I had to look at because me and Megan watched it and I was like, we were both like obviously the past two movies were like okay, like the first get out. You're like all right, I can read the commentary. He's being he's being very generous with how much he's giving you with that commentary in the story. Us was a little deeper, and you had to be like, uh, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. You might have a hypothesis. I watched this, and I was like, I don't know what this means. I have no idea what this movie yeah. means. And it was, but it worked on a surface level. It yes. worked as just a sci-fi story. Yes. It was very Spielbergy. Very yes, Spielberg. It the, was. Actually, he talked about this. What did I watch? I think it was the Director's Roundtable, the Variety Director's Roundtable they do every year. Yeah. Before the Oscars. And they, uh, he was talking about how they kind of – somebody else at the table mentioned how he, they loved that he inverted the, Steel, the Spielberg stare, yeah. which I didn't catch. I was like, oh, that is great because the whole Spielberg trope stares, people staring at the sky with wonder, yeah. looking up and wondering what's out there. And the whole point of this movie is people keeping their heads down and not looking up. Yeah. And so that, but, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. But it still felt like a Spielberg movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie, um, again, like, like we had just stated that it, the symbolism is a lot deeper. Unless you are just sharp-witted and you, like, you know all of his, like, little nuances and you, like, read about this man's life every day, like, it's going to be a lot harder. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so hard to pick up on what he's trying to get across. Yeah. And it is the least horror-esque, I would say, yeah. of the three. It's not a movie that you would watch and go, I'm going to watch a horror movie. I would say thriller mystery, sci-fi. It fits into one of those three, if not all three of those categories. Horror feels like the least fitting. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, like not of all categories, but I'm like yeah. of those of three the categories of, that apply to this. Movie, of the categories yeah. that apply to this, horror seems it doesn't have a horror feel. It feels ominous. It does feel creepy at times. I'll give it that. It doesn't feel like a horror movie, a, con- uh, a conventional horror movie. I'll say that. Yes, and I will say from here on out, spoilers, because that leads me into something I want to say. Is there are a few shots in this movie? So spoilers from here on out for nope. Yeah. There are a few shots in this movie 
that genuinely stuck with me as being creepy, like very creepy yeah. and scary. One of those that I could not get out of my head was the image of the house after blood, bloody chunks had rained on it and just the circle around the house where it's not raining because yeah. the ship was above it, but everywhere else it's raining. And yeah. above the house, there's no rain, just a circle of dryness and bloody chunks covering the house. That yeah. stuck with me. That There's a few really striking visual images like that. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say spoilers is, well, actually, no, I won't, I won't get to that yet. That's only a little bit of a spoiler. Um, because what I was going to say is a big spoiler. Um, but so, yes, like the weird stuff keeps happening. And then they discover there's an alien ship hiding in a cloud. It's like disguising yeah. itself as a cloud. And it's been abducting people and abducting horses. Yeah. And so they're trying to put a stop to it. They set up cameras to try to catch it. And this brother and sister duo and the, the IT guy from Best Buy um, all get involved yeah. together to try to like catch a video of this thing yeah they notice that a cloud on the horizon over the hill has not moved in weeks mm -hmm. and they're like why isn't it moving and the cloud has stayed in the exact same exact same position uh hasn't changed form and has been sitting stationary over the hill for weeks and they're like okay aliens maybe and then yes it's a ship that's a soft flying saucer there's a great scene of him at night and actually, I was watching a video of how they did that effect because it's day for night, right? They filmed it in the day and made yeah. it look like night, which usually looks terrible. Yeah. Usually it looks like you just lowered the exposure did on the camera. Did they really? I did not know that. Yeah, and the giveaway is that, like, it, he's wearing a baseball cap and the shadow is on his face and it's like a hard shadow. And not it, like a soft Not like a moonlight. soft moonlight. It's okay. like a hard shadow, like it's a day, bright daylight in the desert on his face but it's nighttime that's kind of the only giveaway but but the way they had to do that though because they still needed all the they needed it to look it was very complicated i don't know you can watch the video they made a video about how they did it they shot with two cameras at once that were synced up to get the exact same frame one was the actual camera uh digital camera that was then converted to film later, I think. And then the other was an infrared camera, which gathered all the infrared data, which they then fed into the, onto the film as well. And they did some kind of weird combination of things. It was very complicated. Cool. Cool. Very right cool. On. Anyway, but that scene where he's standing out there and it's just silent and you kind of hear the wind yeah. and he's watching the ship move across like the yeah. mountaintops, but it's, mountain you can't really see passing it. Passing through clouds. <clears throat> and it's, mm -hmm. yeah. From cloud to cloud. And it's so dark. You can barely see it. Very creepy. It gives you that feeling of being outside at night in an open space. Like yeah. that's a very specific feeling as a human being yeah. looking up at the stars and being terrified of everything that's out there. And it captures that perfectly. Um, okay. So now I'm going to enter spoiler, spoiler territories, tort territory. So the big twist, which I kind of figured from the beginning is that this is not a ship. It's a it's an alien. It's yeah. one alien. It is one entity, and it, it's it. just shaped like a flying saucer. But it's just yep. an alien that's shaped like. Which it. I thought was a fun twist. Yeah, and it's not abducting things; it's eating them. Yeah, and then it spits out the things it doesn't want. It poops them out, which is why yep. old man got hit in the head with a penny because it spit yep. out the metal. So that's pretty cool. And then the movie, you kind of get a little bit of some of the themes that are at play here. So treatment of animals and like environmental stuff is yep. one big one, uh, and. Also, the, I'd say the biggest theme of the movie is the same theme that Jurassic Park had, which is don't mess with nature, right? Yeah. Like do you the hubris of trying to control yeah. creation. Um, 
which is, that's a whole thing. Um, but that is pl- really played out through these flashbacks, which you're getting through the movie that you don't know at first how they connect. You're getting this B plot of there's another character who lives in the desert who runs a little uh, theme park attraction, Western theme park, yeah. played by Stephen Yu, right? Yun. Yun? Yun. Yun. Stephen. And uh, Stephen runs, you know, Glenn from Walking yeah. Dead runs this little Western themed park. And when he was a kid, he was a child star on a sitcom. And there was these told through flashbacks. There was an episode of the sitcom that went horribly wrong where they had a chimpanzee on for a bit. And the chimpanzee, somebody made, one too many people made eye contact with this chimpanzee and his primal rage took over and he killed everyone on set. But he let Steven live. He let, what's the character's name? I don't. He let him live. And so now flash forward to an adult. He is obsessed. He has all this memorabilia from the show and he has this kind of messiah complex where he thinks he was let live or he thinks he has. That kind of plays into what he does later, right? Yeah. He thinks he has some special connection with animals or nature or that he's untouchable, which is why he starts to harness, he starts to try to sell this alien as an yeah. attraction, sell tickets for people to see it and yeah. feed a cow to it or a horse or whatever. Um, and then, spoiler alert, it ends badly for him yeah. because he doesn't actually have the the invincibility against animals that he thinks he does. Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of symbolism there with like yeah. the fact that the only reason it let him live and gave him a fist bump instead of killing him is because he looked at it through the tablecloth. He yeah. didn't make direct eye contact. And there's all yeah. these themes about don't mess with nature, don't mess with animals. And this thing turns out to be an animal, not a ship. Yeah. The confusing thing about those themes is that the animal in the end just gets blown up. Yeah. And they get a picture of it and there's a happy ending for our characters. They win. They get the footage they need. And... And I remember why I think I, I don't know if it was an interview or somebody else examining the movie, something I watched yeah. where they were talking about, well, the camera, maybe it was Jordan Peele in that round table talking about the camera is so, because all he focuses a lot on African-American yeah. issues and culture. And so he was kind of talking about how the camera has been used as a tool for liberation for black people in America, yeah. because police brutality caught on camera has awakened yeah. people to like, oh, this crap exists. And so there's the same way they captured this alien on camera that yeah. shows they're not crazy i guess but there's it, it's very muddy it's not a clear uh social commentary at all okay so do you want to i i also want to share a commentary of the symbolism of the movie that is actually completely different than what you just talked about okay good so, because uh, yeah exactly that's what's so confusing yeah so which <laughs> i like goes to show how confusing this movie is mm-hmm. upon like casual viewing. Um, after me and Megan had watched the movie, we looked up an article cause we were like, we, what happened? What just, what did any of that mean? Um, and the article we found, I'm going to be real. I don't remember where it was from. Who cares? And Probably this, variety. It Who could cares? be a fourth page Google Hollywood reporter. Like, yeah. Whatever the movie, according to this article being about, um, the predatory nature of, of Hollywood and showbiz. Okay, well, there's also a lot of that in Yes. There. And that's the thing about this movie is it's not... Um, Get Out is about something. It's yeah. about one thing. It's making a social statement. Yeah. This movie is more like a movie in, in the sense that it has <laughs> themes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because you can watch Jaws. There's a lot of themes in Jaws. There's a lot of themes in... Um, uh, Gremlins. Gr- sure, Gremlins. 
Gremlins two, but themes are different than a message, you know. Yeah. I I, I uh, so, and I think you're right. I think that's absolutely a huge theme in this movie. But it yeah. doesn't have to be one or the other. I yeah, think there's yeah, a lot of I, I, a I lot agree. of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of that theme specifically that the, the Hollywood and showbiz nature is very predatory. For sure. That being. Um, it takes what it wants and it spits out anything it doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, that's like a huge part of the movie. Spoiler alert is if the, what a lot of the time, whenever the alien itself is abducting things, it is looking at it. It is casting its eyes upon it and then it abducts it. Mm. And so if so you give it attention and if the alien is Hollywood and if you give You're that attention it. and you feed it, then it will consume you. Mm-hmm. And which also raises another really interesting thing, which I think you could mark off as like really deep symbolism, but I'm making a stretch here in my own brain. If I'm not wrong, horses can't really look up, mm. but they get abducted. Mm-hmm. So I think it plays into this idea. And this is completely hypothetical. I have no idea. This is my stream of consciousness. Um, horses not being able to look up, I guess, traditionally. I don't know. I don't talk to or touch horses very often. Talk to Horsologicus. Talk to Horsologicus was my uh, Cherokee name. And our Greek name. That sounds way way Greeker Greeker than Cherokee. It's all Greek to me. Which is such a – those are so far removed from each other. That's actually crazy. Opposite sides of the world, actually. It's funny, though, because um, (laughs) – never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Um. Even in uh, something's innocence and its natural state of being, that Hollywood is still able to draw those things into it and consume it. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm. Maybe we should ask Dan Schneider hmm. what he thinks of that. <laughs> Maybe the horses or the kids. Yeah. Um, well, Dan Schneider, um, for those of you who don't know, got caught with his foot in his mouth. Oh! oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, not kidding. He hasn't been caught yet. Um, no, he just retired before he could get caught. Yeah, unlike his colleague who still works at Nickelodeon, if I'm not wrong. Um, Bro, that I, Hollywood, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but anyways, like even even to the climax, um, whenever Kiki Palmer's character um, uses a camera against it, so it's looking mm. at itself. Uh, the, thus, the message being what I'm assuming is: if you cast light or like yeah, let yeah, Hollywood yeah, view yeah. itself, if you let it, if you let light shine on that, and you like expose Hollywood for what it is, then it implodes because it is a it's a monstrous being. It consumes everything before its sight. It doesn't like allow for those kinds of things to happen because it's very yeah there's another level of that which is that when people are looking at it and amazed by it it looks like a flying saucer right it it starts out looking like something recognizable that people easily like oh that's cool and i like that it's recognizable but then when it reveals its true nature it's incomprehensibly ugly and horrid yeah it's like terrifying which like whenever it uh, the the alien actually reveals itself and it's trying to do it's whatever it's doing it's Mm -hmm. mesmerizing trick i'm i watched that and i was like i'm fascinated at what i'm looking at i can't understand it it was weird i don't know the vfx artists who worked on that are they deserve an yeah uh, an Oscar. When are the Oscars, dude? I they're usually in no January, idea. right? February. I the only time I've ever watched the Oscars was whenever Gravity won too many awards. Oh, I forgot Gravity won so many. Yeah. Um. Wait, the Oscars already happened, didn't they? Because Coda won Best Picture, or was that for twenty twenty one? I know. If I'm not wrong, the Golden crazy. Globes just happened or are happening. Well, or the Golden are Globes to... are different. Oh, this is so confusing. Is Ricky Gervais back? 
I don't know. Um. Anyways, unrelated side note. Every time I watch the trailer before I watch this movie, and I'm sure this was intentional, every time I saw the alien, or what you assume is a flying saucer, mm-hmm. you don't see the full view of it at all Yeah. when you're watching the trailer. The entire time I thought it was a cowboy hat. It did a flying like cowboy that. hat. And I was like, right. I don't know what... This movie's going to be real whack if that's a flying cowboy hat. Which... Could have been intentional, considering Hollywood so, yeah. cinema basically got its start in Western genres. Shout out John Ford. He's one of the real ones. John Ford is one of those guys that grandfathers in before Hollywood was like fully corrupt. You know, you watch yeah. interviews with John Ford, and he does not sound like a guy from Hollywood. Anyway, beside the point. Yeah. Um, did you know that in so in in Steven Spielberg's new movie, The Fablemans, about his own life? Yeah, John Ford is in the movie because Steven Spielberg's biggest inspiration was John Ford. But playing is he? Yeah, him himself. No. Do you want to know who plays John Ford in the movie? Harrison Ford. Nope. David Lynch. That's so. David Lynch is in a Spielberg movie playing John Ford. So there's your 2022 bingo card. Um. A- a director making a movie about a director's life featuring a director. Played by a director. Played by a director. Yeah. That's all three meta. very different styles. So, so wildly different. And I would say, all in their own respects, very influential. Yeah. I got to clarify, I don't hate David Lynch. All right. I love the first two seasons of Twin Peaks, and I love the movie that he directed after. Firewalk with me. I think it's fantastic. It's a great movie. The thing I hate David Lynch for is his really esoteric stuff, like Twin Peaks season three, which sucks, and the movie where he talks to a monkey. Yeah, I Jack, still, I, I still haven't watched all of it. Yeah. Okay. I uh, our table. This is so unrelated. Our table is the table talk good. I get them, but I haven't actually read one. Yet. You get them. Yeah. Oh, well, from what? Just from Ligonier? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're they are good. You should you can take. Oh, I guess if you get them, you don't need to take yeah. a couple. Yeah. They're good. They've got some. Uh, each one is a themed, different theological theme. Oh. Cool. Like the last one, I think, was about the end times, and the one before that was about like. Uh, Christian love or something. I don't know. Cool. It's good. It's good. Shout out to Table Talk Magazine from Ligonier Ministries. If anybody hey. wants. Thanks. So. What? Is it Sproul? Yeah. Speed dog. Yeah. Rest in peace. Nope. Uh, one thing else I was going to say about it. I really liked it. I think the worst thing about the movie okay. is the title. I agree. I hate the title. I hate it. I hated it since it was announced. And this is, then I started thinking, actually all three Jordan Peele movies have terrible titles. I don't yeah. like them. Us is a terrible title. It's not unique. It's very like, I don't know. Get out is okay. Yeah. But it sounds like a it sounds like Don't Breathe or something. Yeah. It sounds like a generic horror movie, which it's not. I agree. So I don't think the titles do this. And I think Nope is a pretty it's weird. Uh there was a lot of speculation when it came out about what it meant because people yeah. on Reddit thought it meant like not of planet Earth. It was an acronym for not of planet Earth, which is a thing. Yeah. Other people are uh, I don't I still don't know what the title's in reference to. People say it throughout the movie, but it's just a word. So I have a hypothesis. Okay. Be- and this is again just stream of consciousness that I thought up in the past forty five seconds. Okay. Um. So obviously Jordan Peele focuses a lot of his cinema, both casting and storyline, on African American stories and culture, and including those in 
the stories themselves. That's another thing I love. I'm sorry. The side, side note yeah. I love Jordan Peele for is he all his movies are entirely African-American cast and uh, focused, right? Yeah. But it's not – and I don't, I, want to, I don't want this to come across wrong, okay? I don't want this to sound wrong. It's not in an annoying like – like a way where he's trying to make a point about anything. Yeah. He's making a point in the best way he can by, by treating it like it's normal. Yes. Like all the characters in all his movies are African-American and they're, but they're not all their Their characters are not written like stereotypical. They're not yeah. all just focused on the fact that they're African-American. Yeah. It's like w- there are other movies that try to do that. Yeah. And it's almost more racist because th- like they'll make a, a movie about a certain race. It doesn't, it can be any race or even like any subset of people. Yeah. And then they'll, in an effort to be inclusive, all the characters, their whole identity is wrapped around that one trait. Yes. And his character's not like that. They're complex characters who are all African-American. And that's great. That's the best way to normalize and and fight for like the uh, uh, equality of representation. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I agree. And um... – yeah, I, w- I would say there. It's really common for um, representation to take hold on a lot of um, eras and, and, and chunks uh, of movie making throughout any year or years. And in an effort to do that, and I honestly think that it's used as a ploy in the guise of representation to make money. To be like, look yeah, at this women-led, black-led, whatever film. Look yeah. at it. Hey, look at it. Hey, it's all, it's that's all the women, that, or it is all one minority. That's another thing to add into the fact that this movie is about how Hollywood has exploited it because exactly. it, they do that. They didn't do that until it was popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. They could have been actually progressive and been fighting for th- this kind of inclusion yeah. forty years ago, but they weren't. They didn't do it till people wanted it. Yeah. Which more on that in a little bit. Okay. Um, but it's really common for those things to happen. And it's something I really respect about his filmmaking style is, like you had said, it, the way to bring it into the normal realm of, of filmmaking mm-hmm. is to treat it like it's normal because it is normal. Mm-hmm. If you point at something and look say, look how normal it is, and then you try to make it normal, then you're trying – by trying to make it normal, you tend to generalize. Yeah, exactly. And by generalizing, you make it more of a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing any favors for anyone. Exactly. This is why Pitch Perfect just made me hate theater kids even more than I already <laughs> did. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyways, um, because Jordan Peele, that, that's kind of – that that's what he tends to use amongst his filmmaking. He uses – African-American actors, stories, mm-hmm. cultures, implements them in all everything he does. Um, and, and I think, and I might be completely wrong. This might be completely debased. I'm not, a, 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 not a social scholar by any means. I'm, I'm not trying to claim that I am. I, I think like whenever, uh, old Danny boy, uh, says the line, nope, in the movie. He says it. It was kind of like, oh, roll credits, cinema sins moment. Um, it's like a really common thing for people to say yep. and do. And I don't know if it is or isn't based on 
typical African-American vernacular. Like, if that was a slang term to, like, look at something and go, nope, and just ignore it. Yeah, well, that's the thing that was weird to me is, like, I couldn't figure out why the movie was titled that. Like, it was – because in my experience, saying nope, when you see something that's scary or just, like, I don't want to deal with that, you say nope. And that's broadly cross-cultural. Like, like in my experience, and maybe it's just because it's permeated the culture, everybody says that. Like, that's just – that's, like – you know, yeah, it's like okay. It's like saying, yeah, you know, if somebody sees something that's like, uh, oh, I don't want to get involved in that. You say nope, and so I was like, it's weird to call the movie that when it didn't actually tie into the plot in any way to me. Yeah. So I don't know if there's something I'm missing there. There probably is. Which and now here's my next point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna side point this with Stephen Yen's story arc, right? Stephen Yen, if you're going, if this, everything I'm talking about is going off the presupposition that this, this, the main symbolism of this movie is the predatory nature of Hollywood, right? Stephen Yen's character really capitalizes on the alien's um, consumption of the things around it and, and the attention that things give it. Right, and he was a subject of that. He he almost became a victim of it when he was a child. Right, but if you survive some, if you survive through that, if you make it out to the top, you can be like, look how glamorous it is on the other side. Uh, and then he tends to capitalize that, and then again falls victim to it because he casts his eyes upon it. Um, I think, and again, stream of consciousness. I have no idea if this is right or wrong. I think whenever you take a director who's um, main wheelhouse is focusing on African-American cultural and actor-led stories, and you're using the theme of the predatory nature of Hollywood, I think it's a really easy connection to draw of it being hard for, one, African-Americans to have um, consistent and accurate representation and involvement in Hollywood, and two, them wanting to be involved they see the damage it does and nope they say nope there's like there's no reason for them to want to be involved in something that is typically white-led and whether it is related or not something very predatory in very heinous matters yeah it's interesting but this is why you could just keep digging at the themes of this movie for hours because while you were saying that i was also thinking of the fact that like if you're going down that route of viewing the monster as Hollywood. Yeah. Um, then there's also some Sodom and Gomorrah stuff in there. The yeah. fact that it's a city characterized by its unrighteousness. And then if yeah. you look upon it, you will perish, you know, yeah. like just like Lot's wife. Like, so like, there's a lot there that you could unpack forever. Yes. Um, and because of that, it's a great movie because I don't know what it means. And Jordan Peele doesn't say what it means. And he just let it stand as a cool sci-fi story. And then you figure it out. You know what? I like that. And even if the whole commentary was, of the movie was look how falsely introspective Hollywood is by uh, just people throwing in meanings for no reason. And he's just going to let, he's just going to let people. That's actually hilarious. I think it, sometimes I feel like that's what David Lynch is doing. <laughs> like I, but <laughs> that that's just like, yeah. you know, this has no meaning, but let's see what people say. Yeah. You know, uh, that would be hilarious. All that said, I love Nope. I think it's just a good it's a good sci-fi story. It's a very well-crafted movie. Yeah. And um then there's all the themes on top of that, just like any good Jordan Peele movie. Yeah. So what were you what would you give Nope 
if one is the best movie you've ever seen and 100 is the worst you've ever seen, where does Nope fall? I would say Nope would probably fall at like a 31. Okay. Let- I think, it is, again, I, I would say it's not my favorite of the three. I would say it's up there, though. Like, I really, it's, I think it's, we have our movies flipped for the first and second spot. I would say Get Out. It, it goes in order. Get Out, Us, Nope. But Us and Nope are very neck and neck. I would probably put Us at like a 30. Like, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Like, I I think Jordan Peele knows what he's doing, and he knows what he wants to do, and he does it well. And I like the movie. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 31. I'm going to give it a 28. And I didn't, I, and I've actually started systematizing this a little better. I'm going to have to go back and re, um, re-rank some of the things I've ranked in the past. But I now actually actively use Letterboxd, and I keep track of every movie I see on there, and I rank it. And on Letterboxd, you, it's a star, five-star ranking, right? Yeah. And so four and a half stars, five stars, three and a half, three, three stars, whatever. Yeah. And so if I'm, I try to use that ranking and apply it to ours. So like if something's a five-star movie, it has to be one through ten. Yeah. ranked if it's a four and a half star it's got to be 10 through 20 yeah four star has to be uh 20 through 30 and this is nope is a four star movie so i gave that a 28 and i think that is um a solid ranking for me before we go speaking of jordan peele have you seen Candyman? no so but he's remaking it correct he, it already came out last year the remake did it really yeah i'm so fine. candy man we watched it on halloween this year or around halloween me and my wife and uh, the original. Great movie. Very unexpected. If you're wondering, probably a 29 for me. Bees. Um, yep. Lots of bees. And so the original Candyman is a cool story. It's got Virginia Madsen, so that's a plus. And it's just pretty well done. You know those it, bees in his mouth was real? For real? Yeah. He let be, He let his face get covered in bees for that shot. Were they like de-stingified or were they just like I docile? think he, no, I think he didn't move a muscle and just let bees crawl in his mouth. Dude, that's I he better have gotten paid some stunt money for that. Yeah. And insured out the wazoo. Anyway, good movie. The original Candyman is great. Now Candyman, the remake, it was not directed by Jordan Peele. Okay. But he produced it, so it was a monkey paw production, and he wrote it. He oh, co-wrote okay. it with two other people. So me and Caitlin, we watched the original in Halloween, and then we watched the remake just like a week ago. Yeah. Because we wanted to see what the remake was like. Turns out it's not a remake. It is a, what do they call those? Legacy sequel? Like Ghostbusters Afterlife? Where it, like a, uh, it's like, like 40 a, uh, years later. Oh, a legacy sequel. Okay. I was thinking, in my brain, I was like spiritual successor. But it's no, no, no. not. It's it, like, it, is, it is a sequel. It is a sequel. But it's like... But it's it's like Force Awakens. Yeah, okay, you know, they're yeah, like yeah, discovering yeah. the story of the original characters yeah, okay, and reliving it. it. So yeah. It takes they're, place in the they're same They're using universe. the not only time, the original movie, but time itself to as do a soft jumping reboot. off points Exactly. For, the, okay. for a soft reboot. Yeah, got it. Anyway, the first so like I said, the first Candyman is really good. The soft reboot legacy sequel, absolute terrible trash. It is bad. Really? And let me quanti- let me clarify that because the first two thirds of that movie were great. It somehow so you think usually when they do modern remakes of stuff like Evil Dead or whatever, yeah, it's more scary than the original. It, it's not as good usually, but it's more viscerally scary just because with special effects and the 
techniques they use for horror movies now. You can make something more like better jump scares, more heart pounding, right? Yeah. So first of all, the new one was less scary than the 1980-whatever original somehow. So it was a less scary movie, and it was bad. The first two-thirds were really good, even though they had some really weird, like, storytelling stuff in it and some stuff that felt cheap. Yeah. Um, It was well shot. It was okay acted. um, And it added to the the lore of Candyman in a cool way. But the last third was so dumb that I have this theory. It was written by three people. One of them was Jordan Peele. I have a theory that each person wrote a third of the movie because the last third does it completely abandons the story of the first whole the whole thing the movie's building to, toward. The last twenty minutes take a sharp turn and completely abandon that and ruin it. And it was really dumb. Fair enough. But I, that, I just said that because when are we ever going to talk about Candyman? We might as well do it in a Jordan Peele episode. Yeah. So I'm not saying I will or won't watch the remake of Candyman. I don't think I have a draw to it because now I know that it ends so terribly. Uh, Can maybe, I give you spoilers? Yeah. Spoiler alert for Candyman this, remake. This also, I'm sorry, this plays into political issues, but the, I promise my judgment of this movie has nothing to do with politics whatsoever. Okay. That it's just with the writing. This movie came out in 2021. Okay. And it was being made, I'm guessing, in 2020. Okay. That makes, like, that usually is how things work. Lots of content. And that gives you a context yeah. for the political environment okay. that this was being made in. And Candyman, the original, has a very heavy racial theme yeah. to it, right? It's about gentrification yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And the, the second movie follows that. And the most of it does it really well. And then the last bit of it completely abandoned. So there's a spoiler. A new character is becoming the new Candyman. And the, the thing that is so cool that this new movie adds is that the Candyman is not one person. It's a story told over generations of somebody falsely accused of a crime. And then all the examples, of course, are black men accused and like lynched, basically. Yeah. Um, who are accused of doing things they didn't do because of racism. And they're absorbed into the spirit of Candyman. And Candyman is this era spanning this figure amalgamation of, of all, all these of people but he is real he can he really does kill you yes but he's absorbed so there's this movie is building toward oh this main character is going to become absorbed into Candyman. he's going to be falsely accused of this crime you can see it coming a mile away he's going to be falsely accused of this murder or whatever and then be absorbed into Candyman, right and it keeps building toward that and then I think what, this is my theory. I think what happened is 2020 mid production or mid writing or mid whatever. It might've been post-production that they did reshoots for this. Cause that's how out of place it feels. I'm guessing the George Floyd stuff happened and they wanted to add in. So the original message is about racial injustice and gentrification and all this stuff. Right? When did George Floyd pass? It was summer of 2020. Okay. And, so the original message is gentrification and uh, oppression of minorities, specifically black people, all that kind of stuff. But then it, my theory is that George Floyd stuff happened and they wanted to make it much more specific because they thought that would make it more hard hitting. And so the movie ends with instead of the main character being he still is falsely accused, kind of. But instead of ending the way it should have ended to actually make the theme make sense and like what it had been building toward the whole time. It ends with instead, he just like dies of something else 
or or no, he's passed out. He's passed out, and his girlfriend is holding his head in her lap in this abandoned building. And the cops barge in and shoot him like four times while he's laying unconscious on the floor. They just shoot him. Because and my theory is I think they wanted like, oh, the, the killing of an unarmed black man kind of thing to to play into the story. But it doesn't make any sense in the context of what is happening in the movie. It's I'm, tacked on at the very end. The very last thing that happens is the police barge in and shoot an unconscious man on the floor and then Candyman kills them all. all I, the cops. I may be completely wrong on this time. And this is going to make me sound really ignorant if I'm wrong about this. Okay. Is that not the scenario of the Breonna Taylor incident where they barged into a house and shot? And yeah, she was, black man? she was asleep or, or he was asleep in, yes. Yes, in his bed. And do you know when that happened? I don't. I don't remember when that happened. But I, I really want you to watch it because it's so. March 2020. Okay. So maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't George Floyd. Maybe yeah. it was Breonna Taylor that. Um, that made yeah. them add that, but it really does the thing. I'm not so I'm not criticizing it based on the fact that I mean obviously that's a horrible evil, yeah. Regardless, and that needs to be criticized. And this is I don't want to talk about freaking politics on this stupid show. Okay? Yes, I do not want to do that. That's not what this is about. The point is, it's bad movie making. It's a bad yeah. movie because it does not fit into that story. It doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie. It would be like if at the end of Jaws. The shark gets out of the water and is like, um, the conflict in Vietnam. It, like it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yes. And it's it feels like a really risky line to walk when you criticize a movie that deals with those subjects, even if it's about yeah, an I, unrelated. I, let me clarify anything we've said. We've talked about a lot, a few political things in this episode, just because Jordan yeah. Peele yeah. deals with those issues. We have not made a single judgment statement about our political opinions on yeah. any of this crap. I don't care about any. I don't want anyone to think that yeah. we talk about that on the show. I don't, I don't want you to know my political I opinions. I don't want you to know mine. Yeah. I probably lean a lot more left than you probably think I would on a lot of things. <laughs> um, and I don't care about yours. Yeah, I don't. That's not any of my business or I yours. I don't care. So. Um, but I'm what I'm talking about as a movie. It yes. is a terrible. It's a movie podcast. Yeah. On that same one, part one, this reminds me, it reminds me a lot of like Game of Thrones. Like the reason I probably will never watch Game of Thrones is because I know it ends so dog garbage. Yeah, right. Like, every, it, like me and you have talked about this before. It was so bad that I heard – we heard about that show every year nonstop for every year it was being made. Mm-hmm. Like every week. And then the ending happened, and I never heard another word about it. It wiped it off the face of the planet yeah, that it, it was that It destroyed bad. its culture. It, like, I've never seen that happen before, where yeah. it ended so badly that its cultural impact was erased. Yes. And point number two, I, I think it, it – so did you watch Black Klansman? No, it's on my list. It's a very good movie. Is that Spike Lee? Um, Spike Lee or Spike Jones. I'm going to be real. I know they they don't make the similar movies whatsoever. I think it's I Spike Lee because I think Spike Jones is the her guy. Spike Lee. Um, Spike Lee, Black Klansman by Spike Lee. Um, was a great movie. I really loved it. I thought it was an awesome movie. And I think uh, it deserved Best Picture. Um, if I'm not wrong, it lost a Green Book, which it did lose to Green Book. Which well, Green I know Green Book won. I don't know if they were the same year, but I think they're both 2018. Okay, 
which if we're going to get in, if we do get into more politically leaning things, if you want to get into the nuance of it, Green Book Tech, te- I think, suffers from like a white savior complex, which makes it a difficult loss for Black Klansmen, considering that whole thing is, it's much more, uh, de- it's, there's a lot more depth and, and nuance and um, richness to that story. Um until the end, and I think this that Black Klansman suffers at just at the very end, not with story, not just not with the story. I think the story, I think is great. I think the movie is great, but the movie ends; it caps it off with you know, like an epilogue, almost like a slideshow. Like, hey, here's the story we were telling about racism in the seventies, sixties, and seventies, and it ends the movie. Right, the story is done, and then it continues to show uh, a slideshow of recent, uh, like photographs of recent like racial um, acts or like protests and stuff like that to like help emphasize mm. why it's important now. But I, I, this is just a disagreement, and I'm coming. This is coming from a place where I'm not a black man. You're not qualified. Don't I'm, even clarify. I'm not qualified to be a black man. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I and because of that, I'm not qualified to comment on a lot of these things because I don't know them personally. I don't know what it's like to exist in that in that sphere of things. Um, but I, I think it I think it detracted from some of its nuance because the movie is it stands on its own. And I, and I I think as a viewer, I think you're depreciating uh, the viewer's intelligence by being so heavy-handed to be like see how it relates to current events when. Honestly, that movie's probably going to stand, if we're being real, probably for several more decades. And and I think it's going to speak for itself. And I don't think it needed that. And I think it did in some parts detract from it. Definitely not to the extent of the remake of Candyman. Yeah. Or Software Maybe so, And also the remake of Candyman got good reviews for the most part. So this is my opinion. Yes. Okay, so... I don't want to make a statement about what I, you know, I don't want to get canceled on my podcast. Look, man, I've, I'm a Shane Gillis fan. I know what can happen from a podcast. (laughs) I know what you can lose, Uh, but I'm never going to get cast on SNL. So I'm just going to say what I was going to say. We get it. You Uh, love CS, uh, (laughs) CS go. What were you going to say? CSI Miami. Louis CK. CS Louis. That's hilarious. CS Louis CK. That's really funny. That's, there's a joke somewhere in there. I don't feel like chasing after. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna not going to chase after that one. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say now. I guess I was going to clarify what you'd said earlier about this uh, not you're, being a... You're, you're a fan of Shane Gillis. That was then. Yeah, I was just saying like... like uh, um, so I'm not going to make any controversial statements just because yeah. I know what... But I was saying like... Um... I don't know. Here's my stance on the on like messages in movies. Mm-hmm. I think that a movie that serves as a message mm-hmm. is a bad movie. I think that that I think that that is true no matter what the message is. Okay. Yeah. I think themes are great. You cannot tell a story without it having themes. Yes. But I, a story I, a being a message like just being a vehicle for you to make a statement about something yeah is bad okay so like there needs to be the bridge if you're using a movie as the um the bridge like the serving point of a message 
then it detracts from the movie yeah. itself. But, but yeah, if exactly. you have a movie with themes, the theme can serve both the movie and the message. I itself. think so. A, gr- a good example of this, I think, Lord of the Rings is the best novel written in the twentieth century. Twentieth okay. century, I think it's the best novel written, and it does not have novel or novels. I he he considered it one novel. I count it as one. It's like Kill Bill. It's like Kill Bill. Um, it does not have a message. Yeah. It has so many themes. Yes. It has so many parallels like that people can draw, especially to Tolkien's Christian faith, right? Like yeah. He intentionally put in there and has set her in there, right? Uh, people draw parallels to the fact that the three offices of Christ are represented in three different characters in Lord of the Rings, yes. prophet, priest, and king. Um, uh, Gandalf is the prophet. Uh, Frodo is the priest because he, bear, he bears the burden to – God, right? Yeah. And then obviously Aragorn's the king. Um, but there's no one Aslan Jesus character, yeah. right? There it's split up. So there's themes and parallels and things all throughout. And there's things about uh community and friendship and home and fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah, like all sorts of themes in there. But there's no message. It's nobody can look and say, Oh, Lord of the Rings is just about it's just an allegory for Tolkien's experience in World yeah. War One. He explicitly said it's not because that's stupid because that would make it a bad story. If he's just coming up with things, not out of imagination and out of to be creative and to come up with a fascinating, compelling world. Yeah. If he's doing it just to come up with things that can be one-to-one alleg- like parallels to some message he's trying to get across about some political thing, yeah. it's a bad story. And, and I, there are movies I can think of. I'm not going to say any, but there are movies I can think of that do that. That just exist as a message. I think Get Out gets close, but it's just it's in the perfect sweet spot where it still stands on its own as a yeah. story. In the there's no message. There is a message, but it's told through themes and not just through yes. allegory. So yeah, and I whenever you use whatever medium to portray a message, just a message, then it in and of itself has become static. It can only be about. It can only be that. It can't be. Yeah, it can't. It's a great point. It can't be anything more. Yes. There's no room for interpretation. And I would say another great example of themes as opposed to message, even though it, I think you could be deceived to think this is about a message, is Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Mm, I think that's one of the best novels ever. It's so good, and I like. There's obviously, I think, a lot of themes in there. Like I, one of the more obvious ones um, is. Finding humor in tragedy. Yes. Yeah, and that's like something that's very consistent. You could find it. You, obviously, it has messages, mm-hmm. uh, or I would say themes of the atrocities of war, and being becoming desensitized to that, mm-hmm. um, as well as trying to transition. It's using the idea of war to explore several themes that can come off of that, and telling the story of one man's journey through all of those things. With some shenanigans. That's a lighthearted word for the war. Um, I think, well, that's a great point because your your uh, Slaughterhouse Five, it could easily, if it was just a message book, yeah. then I'd come away thinking, wow, you know what I learned from this book is that we did not treat our World War II veterans well enough. Yeah. You know, you they're know, struggling. Kurt, our World War II. Kurt goes right. War is bad. War is bad. Like our, especially World War II and the those veterans are struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, they, if it's that specific, it's yeah. really bad. But instead, you come away learning like one thing I, I learned from that book: how to have how to put on a brave face and laugh in the face yeah. of tragedy, laughing and, and a man's ability to cope through loss. Mm-hmm. And 
his ability to apply his experiences there to the rest of his life and also how a traumatic experience in your life can taint the rest, like yeah. can put a filter on the rest of your life and affect the way you interpret things. So all that is universally applicable. It yes. has nothing to do with World War II. Yes. But his experience, but it's told through those themes. Through the that personal, express themselves singular in World War II. experience. Of exactly. World War II. That's a good example. Um, anyway, I think, <laughs> I think one book that I actually do like as a book, but is an example of being kind of just a bad story because it's just a message and not a theme is animal, uh, animal farm by George Orwell. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, the, I love Orwell. 1984 is great, but animal farm is so specifically applied that it can only, it's only, it's, it's about the Russian revolution. It's yeah. about Stalinism. Yeah. And there, there is no other application to yeah. that. Almost none. I mean, you there are some themes of like treating humans as lesser or treating any yeah. category of people as lesser, but, that book is really just about it. That is, and that sta- that stands amongst a lot of like powerhouses in mm-hmm. um, deep authoritarian thought. Like that, that is a message book. Uh-huh. But others, it stands but, with are like Fahrenheit four fifty one and nineteen eighty four that dive into the themes and are much more widely applicable to yes, all authoritarian dangers of authoritarianism. The dangers of absolute power. Uh, one's own journey through those things as yeah. they see both sides of it from a uh, neutral perspective. And I guess I won't say that there's no place for stuff like that because Animal Farm served its purpose yeah. and their books like that serve their purpose. You can ha- you can do messaging, but I think generally it's lazy and yeah. like I, I, I'm not going to enjoy a movie that is just messaging. Yeah. Um, we've talked for a long time and we're way off topic. <laughs> It's been a long time since we've we've had a podcast yeah. together. Yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah, I hope nothing in this gets us canceled later. I tried to be as fair as possible. I don't think it. Here, I'll just distract from all the rest of it by saying this. You mentioned that a lot of the listeners probably think you lean you lean more left than a lot of people yeah. think you do. Yeah. That's because a lot of our listeners are people from our town, right? People yes. that we know. Um, so I'll say this so that to distract from all the other things. If I said anything cancelable, yeah. uh, I'll just leave the focus here. Uh, I guarantee you I lean way more right than anyone can possibly fathom. (laughs) 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 And it's been a fun episode. All right. See you guys next week. See you guys next week.